You are now tuning in to the Bodybuilding Lifestyle Podcast, the number one source for unfiltered truth in bodybuilding with your host, Elon Muscular. The Bodybuilding Lifestyle Podcast is sponsored by Elon Muscular Private Coaching. There's a huge issue with online coaching today. Cookie cutter plans, unattentive coaches, and an industry saturated with misinformation. If you're looking for a bodybuilding coach that will be on your ass about getting results, and make sure you tick all the boxes every day with daily check-ins, unlimited text access, and quarterly video consults and progress reports, then Elon Muscular Coaching is for you. All the guys on Team Muscular are my personal friends and I'm proud to build a relationship with every client in order to best hold them accountable to their goals. If this sounds interesting to you, reach out to me to book a free discovery call to see if coaching is right for you. Now let's get right into the episode. What's up, man? Long time no talk. Yeah. So where are you now? I'm in New York. Okay. That's what I thought. Wow. That's a crazy place to be right now, right? Oh my God. It's crazy. I'm, I'm literally, I've been holed up in my house for the past like seven, eight months. I, I, I haven't left my house in the past like three months. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's weird to think about. Gosh, I'm going crazy just with even minimal restrictions. I just can't handle any restrictions on my freedom. It makes me go crazy. That's why I do everything I do, you know? Well, you guys, you guys locked back down recently, right? Yeah. And it's driving me crazy. And I should be grateful because I go out and there's the beach and it's just so beautiful here. And I mean, you spent most of your time in Bangkok, but did you spend a lot of time? You visited Pattaya a lot, I'm sure. But did you spend a lot of time here? I never, I actually never went to Pattaya, but I did go to Phuket and I went to Koh Chang, but I never went to Pattaya. Oh, maybe a good thing. You think you might have gone off the rails in Pattaya. Dude, I want to get, I want, I want to get into all that stuff because we, we had such an, we met at such an interesting time, I think for both of us and like <laughs> kind of the beginning of the Thailand journey for, for me and, and, and pretty early on for you. And now you're living there and like, you know, I've been following you all along and it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Just everything that's gone on since then. I mean, we were there when the King died. So mm-hmm. we, we, we were kind of in lockdown too there for a little while. If you yeah, remember. that's right. They shut everything down when the King dies. Cause, and, and when the, when that King died, it was like to the women, well, everybody here, it was like their father died everybody was mourning as if a family member died. That was interesting. We don't really have that in, we don't have any a politician we're that connected to. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I feel like everyone was really upset when the King died in Thailand and, and you could tell that people were genuinely upset about it. Like they weren't just pretending, but now they're calling for democracy and it's kind of gone completely the other way. So it's, it's very interesting. Yes. Yes. A, A lot of parallels between, what, what is happening in the US and in Thailand and actually everywhere in the world because it all comes down to fundamental human psychology and how we evolved in society. So, so but we could get into all that stuff. Let, let's take a step back first. 
Um, you know, I started recording. I just, so in this podcast, kind of what I want to talk about with guys is I just want to talk about lifestyle, like everything kind of other than bodybuilding. And then we can get into the bodybuilding talk towards the end. But I think we'll have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about because, you know, you have a very interesting lifestyle. So you're one of the first guys that I thought of when I thought of having this, this, you know, kind of style to the podcast. Well, first of all, I just want to say you're looking lean, man. What are you doing lately? You back on the okay, DNP? Okay, let's do let's do an ab check. I, I have a, <laughs> myself in the mirror. Okay. Okay. So yeah, so, yeah fairly lean, but uh, I'm not really like big and vascular, and I don't look like a competitive bodybuilder. I look like a like a super healthy fit guy with that used to be a bodybuilder. So. Have you yeah, really that, changed it up like since since we met? Like, are is your things that you're doing very different? No, the, the all the theories that I use are the, is the same. It's basically the low testosterone or the TRT testosterone, and then adding SARMs on top. And then in short periods of time, when I want to blast and gain a lot of muscle, then I add the growth hormone, the insulin, uh, more gear, more SARMs, and uh, more food. And then I just go back to cruising again. So it's actually a very healthy approach because there's only, there's very short periods of time that I'm actually blasting a lot of compounds. And the rest of the time, my body's in more of a health maintenance phase. I, I saw you talking about like on your story today, you said like steroids addiction, but really we just love to be on because we love the way it feels to be on. Is it hard for you to stay on TRT for long periods of time? Because when I TRT, I, I'm always itching to, you know, put something else back in. I, I put it back in as soon as I want to. So th this is the big difference in how I approach it is I don't plan out a six week cycle or a 16 week cycle. I say, how am I, what am I doing this week? If I can train hard this week and I'm going to eat enough food, then I'm going to up the chemistry to go along with it. So the diet, the training and the chemistry all goes up at the same time. And it all comes down at the same time too. And that's why I don't have any side effects beyond what I would expect uh, from doing this because I'm not ever taking more chemistry than my body can use based on the diet and training. When you go back down to the TRT though and lower the food and lower the training at the same time though, don't you shrink down like, you know, as quickly as you blew up kind of thing? Yeah, so there's some element there's some element of permanent muscle building of permanently transforming my physique and a little bit of that happens every time i blast but a, a lot of it is just like uh I, I think of it because people say why would you work out and then when you stop you're going to lose it all that's like saying why would you make your bed in the morning why would you brush your teeth why would you comb your hair why would you do anything yes all of those things are temporary those only last half a day one day uh at least the with the bodybuilding if i train I see the effects of it for the temporary effects of it for, you know, a week. And then the per, there's some permanent benefit to it also. So I, I think it's, even though everything in life is temporary, we're all going to die. It's, it's like you have a choice either yes to do something or no to not do something. So you have the choice to work out or not work out. Working out is going to improve your quality of life. Okay. So even no matter how futile it is, I'm still going to choose to work out. Should I add chemistry? Yes or no. Well, if I add chemistry, I'm going to look a lot better and feel a lot better during that time. And I'm going to have some permanent benefit from that. So I choose to use the chemistry. So if you break it down into, should I do this or should I do not do that for every little action, even if something's temporary, a lot of the things you still do it. So I still do bodybuilding for the temporary look also. 
That's why, you know, I think that out of all the people right now who are putting out a message, I feel like you are the most on the lifestyle side because everything you do is for the purpose of improving your quality of life and for no other reason, pretty much. And I feel like most bodybuilders get into bodybuilding and stay in bodybuilding for a lot of different reasons, specifically competitions, which is like really pointless to me because you're setting kind of like a really arbitrary goal. And then you're taking your life and you're kind of molding it around this useless goal that at the end of the day, there's no payoff and people just end up feeling let down. So I just feel like, I know that you've competed before, but you don't compete anymore. Is that kind of like why you stopped? Cause you didn't see an end goal in sight or do you do you plan on competing again? I will compete again. The, the reason why it is helpful is it gives you a goal and a target and us humans seem to, uh, to progress much better when we have a goal and a direction and a deadline. So if, if someone doesn't need that, and there's plenty of people that, that don't like coach Steven Bangkok and, and Sebastian in uh, now he's in Copenhagen, but these are just a few people that don't, that don't compete very often, but they still maintain incredible physiques. So they're motivated on a daily basis. They're, they're competing against themselves on a daily basis and other people on Instagram, but they don't actually have a, con uh, a commitment to a competition. But for most people, they need sort of a deadline. They need something to work towards. They need a finish line so that, you know, they can push themselves hard knowing that, okay, it's done on this day. And then there's also that you, you can get pictures and, and an experience that you get to remember and, and see the rest of your life. So there's, there's benefits to it. The problem is that for a lot of bodybuilders, it, 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 they're sacrificing quality of life for the muscle. And, but to be a champion, you do have to sacrifice quality of life. You know, in any sport, you're going to go, you're going to put that sport ahead of every other priority, including quality of life. So yes, you're right. For me, what's really unique, what most people don't understand, especially all of the people that attack me on social media and, and YouTube and, uh, these people don't understand. They're like, he's not, he's not a bodybuilding professional bodybuilding coach guru type person. He shouldn't be talking about these things. But on the other hand, because my goal is quality of life, I had to figure out shortcuts to have the most amazing physique for the least amount of work, the lowest maintenance. And how do I create a physique that's a permanent investment so that I don't feel like every day it's a grind to maintain an awesome physique. So that's been what I think I'm probably best in the world for is by putting quality of life first, but still having an amazing physique because I use the chemistry as a shortcut and I'm not afraid to admit it. Why do you think people are so aggressive and have so much animosity towards that kind of approach? You know, do you think it, it kind of harkens back to like the nineties, like anti-steroid boom and the, the propaganda and bodybuilders are still to this day, even ones that use performance enhancing drugs have some kind of guilt associated with it. So they feel the need to attack somebody if they feel like they're not all in, like, like they feel that you are not, I mean, why, if why, I had why 10, if you took 10, if you took 10 different people that were criticizing me in, in let's say a negative way, not, not a positive feedback type thing, or just change a share of perspective. Uh, each one of them may have a slightly different reason, but there's a few core common reasons. The number one is attention. 
So like other, other fitness influencers and stuff, they, they'll jump on anything to get attention and they can't talk too positive about me because it'll get censored. So they can talk negative about what I do and, it, and the mainstream goes, yay, and, and it gives them good ranking and all that. But if they talk too positive about it, if they seem like they're endorsing this lifestyle too much, uh, then they're, then just the mainstream media engine uh, may attack them as well. Now, there's a huge change in culture of pro-mediocrity and anti-truth happening in the world right now. And it has to in order to usher in the new world order. And this gets into conspiracy stuff, but it's all based on the same fundamental human psychology where people, people feel uh, good or bad based on how they it's relative, uh, how they see themselves relatively compared to other people. So if they can talk bad about someone else and bring them down in their mind, then they feel better about themselves. And so I think we had a golden era in history, uh, you know, in the, let's say like the, the, the 1980s, where people were really trying to do amazing things instead of pushing other people down to feel better about themselves. And now we've got a culture where everybody's sucks so much in every way. And they, they just can't, uh, they, it's just easier to put everybody else down. And that's why I think about, I think about these lockdowns, right? And I think why, how psychologically, why is everybody accepting these lockdowns? There's no scientific there's, not, there's much more scientific support for not having lockdowns than having lockdowns. But when I, when I talk to people, even here in Thailand, so many of the ultra lazy people uh, want to use this time as an excuse not to do anything. And then they want to try to bring everybody else who's actually doing something down. It's fundamental psychology. It's hard to accept that people do it. All of us do it in our mind. And if we want to be better, You've seen this chart where you have like winners and losers and on the winner side they help other people they compliment other people they find the best in other people and they help other people succeed and on the loser side which is something like doing a podcast this is this is something you're doing that actually helps other people uh and you so you're making use of your time now in in the the lockdown situation but there's the other side which is just bring people down and uh, complain. When I say complain, I mean say something negative that you can't actually do an action item about it. So there, that's unproductive complaining versus address uh, identifying a problem and then actually problem solving. So the the key is just to switch over into the winner's side and be and try to be successful within ourselves and help other people be successful. And it's a much better, this is one of the fundamental things about quality of life is do the best you can and then help other people do the best they can too. And it scares, let's say the losers of society, it scares them when people do that because it, it, they see it and instead of, instead of saying, I wanna just work a little harder and also do that, they attack it, they wanna cancel it, they don't want other people to see it. Um, they don't even want that side, the positive side of humanity to exist because acknowledging the positive side of humanity is going to make them feel worse about themselves. So there's a lot of other reasons back to the question of why, let's say you've got, let's say fact, fake daddies is, is another uh, related topic. So why people would attack something, what I do where it's 
It's about information and it's about freedom and giving people the tools to make their own decisions. And uh, the other one is ego, where someone, let's say a bodybuilder feels very accomplished. They've worked very hard and they have a method and a system and they want to now teach that method and system. But now you have a competing method and system that I don't say that it's better than anybody else's system, but in their mind, they're saying, oh, he's trying to say that his system is better. I think and that, I think that what they don't good. like about you is that you're like, kind of like, fuck the system. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, so that's like that, that threatens not only their system, but the system, like the whole bodybuilding kind of system where it's like, we are coaches, we have these methods, we train athletes for competitions. Then Dr. Tony Huge comes out of nowhere, like with hot girls on cars and flexing his muscles. And he's not even that huge. And he calls himself a doctor. And they're just like, who the fuck is this guy think he is? But that's always what I liked about you. And, and, and since I started to put myself out there a little bit more, I've started to get a, some similar feedback to that because it's like, people don't like when someone wants to come out and speak with authority on stuff that they know about if it goes in the face of what they think is. And what I notice is that like, I start putting shit out like recently again, since like I, I went completely, I like after my whole Thailand stint, I went completely corporate. I just got a job. I was working at a software company. I was just being a normal person. I stopped bodybuilding completely. And then after when the lockdowns happened and Corona hit, I lost my job. Everything kind of went to shit. And I'm, now I'm stuck in the house here. So I'm like, fuck it. Like, I'm just gonna, I honestly do better when my back is against the wall. And mm -hmm. so I feel like this lockdown actually really helped me because I felt like I was like in prison and you know how like a lot of prisoners, like they're in their cell and they don't know what to do. So they're like, fuck it. I'm going to get jacked. I'm going to make plans for when I get out. You know what I mean? And that's exactly how I started to feel like within two weeks to a month, I was like, I'm going to blast the shit. I bought like a rack. Like I have a barbell here in a rack and I've literally just been training with a 300 pound barbell, just going balls to the wall, blasting like crazy and planning and plotting um, my move to Thailand when this is all over. So like, Excellent. I'm just like, this kind of all like threw me, it completely like changed my life and I wasn't ready for it, but it just like threw me in here. And now I like, kind of went back to my roots kind of thing. Like you knew me when I was in Thailand, I was wild, but I completely stopped doing all that stuff because I thought that I had to like grow up and, and I want to go back there, definitely take a more mature approach and we can get into, I always tell like whenever somebody knows you and, and they, they, a lot of people know me cause I'm, I'm on the anabolic TV website and, uh, and they'll be like, Oh, you're the guy from the website, whatever. And I'll, and I'm like, I'm the, I think I'm probably the only person alive today that Dr. Tony Huge told to slow down. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes, right. probably one of the few. Like, yeah. like, like, I remember that conversation and I remember thinking in my head, like, I can't believe this guy is telling me. So, to how slow open, down. how open are you about, you, you know, your experiences in Thailand on, on this podcast? Are you just fully talking about everything or are you withholding some stuff? I'm an open book. I mean, no one has really asked me about it. It's my podcast. I'm not going to just go rambling about everything that I did in Thailand. So I, one thing I was always curious about, uh, I've been curious about since then is, yes, I told you, I think you should slow down because I see you're a very smart guy, but 
you weren't acknowledging your own vulnerability. Like you were, uh, I think the risk risks you were taking were greater than the benefit you were getting at that time. Like if you toned it back 20%, I think you would have been just as happy, but the risk would have come way, way down. So I was, I was always curious that if you would have come to that realization later and said, I should have probably toned it back 20% and had pretty much the same beneficial experience. Or if you think that you needed to kind of go all out to have that experience, to know where the threshold is before you actually pull back so that you don't sort of uh, uh, always feel like you never scratched that itch. I think that I, I thought like probably er completely arrogantly, definitely completely arrogantly. Cause I was 21 years old. What did I really know? You know what I mean? But I thought that I am not going to get myself killed here. I'm not going to die. Like I'm not going to die. I know the pharmacology of these things. I know what partying is. I watched all the rock star documentaries. I'm not going to die. And I'm not, I don't have an addictive personality and I'm going to be able to pull back at some point, but I'm 21 years old. I'm in fucking Bangkok, Thailand. Like, let's fucking do this shit. Pedal to the metal. Let's party. You know what I mean? And, and I knew that, you know, I didn't have unlimited money. I didn't have a way to stay there. I knew I would have to come back. I, I, I didn't think I was going to be one of those like, you know, lost souls that just get stuck on the street over there. I knew that there was an expiration date to this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And, and I wasn't going to die before that expiration date came. I, I just wasn't. So I knew that like, I was just trying to go balls out while, you know, while the balls were out kind of thing. Then yeah. when I came back, I was like, all right, well, fuck, you know, but honestly for like six to eight months after that, I had like a, like a shock wave. Like I was sitting in my room in, back in New York in the middle of the winter. And I was like, fuck, like, what do I do? I was like desperate to get back to Thailand for a while. And I was like, unsure what to do. And I was like, I got to get back to reality. I got to, you know, get a degree. I got to, I had my fun there. I got to get my money right. Kind of. So then I just went the other way. And then I, I, I remember what you told me where you were like, I wouldn't be able to do what I was doing now unless I had a lot of money. I mean, like I, this shit isn't free. You don't just walk around, you know, chilling in good apartments, taking all these steroids and chilling with all these girls and doing all this stuff. It's not free. You know what I mean? So I knew that I had to get my money right. And I had to figure out a way to, you know, get my degree. I got into software sales. I started to push myself with that same, like, crazy effort into, you know, career-wise selling things, making money. And now I have like a pretty strong, like, you know, kind of like nest egg to fall back on where I feel like I, I got a couple of years in Thailand that I can do without really worrying about it to build my business, to do what I really want to do, what I really love to do, which is bodybuilding and not really so much on the recreational drug side. I don't think that really has to be a part of my life, although it was fun. Um, so when you came from drugs and girls and you went to, you know, career and, and goals, was there a transitionary period where, you know, your dopamine and your psychology had to readjust to where, I hate to use the word, you felt almost suicidal, but, you know, you felt so down, like you had a, like you had this great peak and then did you have an equally uh, low valley afterwards before you adjusted to your current lifestyle? I definitely did go through that. 
but I didn't, I wouldn't say that the lows were as low as the highs were high. Like okay. I look, I look back on that time and that was the best fucking time of my life. Like when I die, I will remember that shit. And, and I appreciate you being a part of it and everybody that like I met along that journey, like that was fucking sick. Not a lot of 21 year olds get to do that shit. Like that was awesome. So like, honestly, like, you know, it's all good. Like I'm 25 right now and I look back and I tell everybody about that. And every single person I meet, I'm like, you got to go to Thailand. You got to go to Thailand. It's the best place in the world. And I convinced so many people to go there and check it out and, you know, do that lifestyle for a bit. I think that I'm going to be happier for the rest of my life. Like you said, it's like blasting growth hormone gives you permanent muscle cells. Doing that shit at 21 creates permanent self-esteem, permanent understanding of fun. Like I will never fall into the Western like rat race trap after being through that at such a young age, because I felt like when I came back, I was like, no matter how depressed I am, no, I could be suicidal. All I have to do is work at McDonald's for eight months and be, be good with my $15 an hour and save up. And I can get another year of fucking bliss. So why would I kill myself? There's paradise just across the sea. And it became a reality to me. And I always like Thailand is kind of like this safe haven in my head. And I would hate to see that go away. You know what I mean? And I'm curious as to your take. What do you think about the scene there right now? Where do you see Thailand going into the future? Are you optimistic about it? Or, or yeah, well, where it is right now is very different than where it will be in the future. It's, it's a little bit harder to predict how it's going to be in the future because there's so many variables. But how it is right now, I'd say, you know, I, if you, I, I want to go back to where when these lockdowns first happened. So imagine a town of, uh, I, I have no idea the number, but let's say 10,000, 20,000 single women whose primary objective goal career is to take care of men. So you've got, you know, tens of thousands of women <laughs> and there's the tourism is cut off. There's no tourists coming in. So can you imagine for me, one single uh, decent looking guy for every one of us, there was about 20 women and imagine these women. Yes. Most of them, because people in the Western culture don't understand the culture here, but most of them would like to get paid and have sex or be supported and have sex. Um, but, you know, when they're competing 20 to one ratio, uh, I mean, in, in your situation, you were on more of a budget. I spend a lot more money, um, but in your situation or more of a budget, can you imagine being here with a 20 to one ratio of women that aren't getting, that, that are very hungry for, for money, yes, but also just hungry for the company of a man, just hungry for a man to take care of because that's how they're programmed. That's their culture. Uh, so the only problem is that you, you got to mute your cell phone because you're going to get a hundred messages every day from women trying to spend time with you. And it's, you can't even keep track of it all. It was absolutely insane. Now it's a little different because now they're starting to realize that the tourism is not going to come back for a while, like it was. And so a lot of the women have left the tourist areas and gone back to their homes, but there's still a lot here. Um, I'd say the ones that have family and they were just here to work in order to send money to home for their family. Um, because that's another thing that people don't realize around the country is let's say the girls that are working girls that come here, they make more money than doctors and lawyers do. 
and they make enough money to support their entire families up back in the countries and their kids and everything. And people think the sex industry is taking advantage of these women, but these women are making more than doctors and lawyers. So a lot of those ones have gone back because they just can't make as much money. So they're just waiting it out. You know, a lot of them actually made enough money to build houses for their family. And so now they're just like, go back home to their family and their royalty because the family knows they'll be able to bring in the money in the future. But then you have a lot of women that just permanently live here or were raised here in these tourist towns. And there's still, there's still like a, you know, like a 10 to one ratio of women to single uh, men like us sort of thing. So it's still crazy. But, but the thing is Thailand for me is one of the most freedom countries in the world. And I have a very high expectation for freedom. That's why I came here instead of so many other places. Uh, and it's not that the laws are that different. It's just that in America, it's like the government's always out to get you. And they're always out to control people so that nobody has too much fun uh, because then it, it pisses off everybody else. Whereas here, sort of the culture is more accepting, less judgmental. Uh, and more fun. I, I guess you could say it's like, well, I don't want to do a religious reference here, but <laughs> I, I mean, I'll, I will, I'm actually, I will say this, like there is a lot of Muslims here and we've got a lot of Muslim bodybuilding friends and that's great and everything. But the, the problem is that the Muslim culture is very anti-fun, right? So you've, you do have Thai people in Thailand trying to pass laws that have curfews, uh, no alcohol, no music, no dancing. Uh, you, you know, you've got to cover up, women have to cover up, like the opposite of Thailand. Basically, Thailand uh, like is, Malaysia. is complete opposite of, of a Muslim conservative culture. It's more about fun and quality of life in Thailand. Uh, but there are these growing interests. This whole new world order that's coming in doesn't want people to know what it feels like to have freedom, because then as they take freedoms away, they're going people are going to object to it. So um, in the future of Thailand, and unfortunately also that Western culture has been completely decimated by the Chinese virus. And what's ironic is Thailand now says, Westerners don't have money. We want to stop prioritizing Westerners and start prioritizing Chinese. So now you're gonna have way more Chinese tourists, which culture is also quite opposite of Western culture. And that's gonna start influencing Thailand also. So, you know, whether you have other countries that are great about freedom like Colombia and Mexico and other South American countries, uh, places that I think are also great places to, to live and have a high quality of life. And I'm, I'm curious to see whether Thailand maintains its high quality of life and freedom or whether Thailand falls more under the control of America and China. Both, both America and China are, are sort of anti-freedom uh, by my definition in different ways. China is very blatant about it, which is like everybody's like a number and controlled and you step out of line and poof, you disappear, right? And America is more subtle about it. America pretends to embrace freedom and gives you the illusion of free choice and free thought. I don't have the illusion of it right now. I'm stuck in my house. <laughs> That's the big change. That's what's happening. So in America, there actually never was freedom uh, by my definition. 
but there was the illusion of freedom. And what happened is that what changed is the illusion of freedom was taken away. And now people are really understanding what America really is, has been built to be. And the laws, because I'm a lawyer and I watched the evolution of the law in America, the laws were being changed all along the way to limit freedom, to almost create a slave state. And it, the, the, the difference is the laws weren't really being enforced. It, it was all being changed long ago in anticipation of a day when the monopolies that control the government would decide to flip that switch and take off the illusion and now everybody can see you're, you're a slave. You have, you have no rights. It was all an illusion all along. So Tony, do you see yourself staying in Thailand or do you think that, I mean, you got to go somewhere, right? Like if, if there's, if this is a worldwide trend and I don't want to get too, I don't want to get too depressed here on this, you know, that's not what this podcast is about. Let's, you know, let's try to be positive because there's a lot of good stuff going on. There's always good stuff going on. You know, we're, we're always trying to bring positive change into the world. So I don't want the people listening to the podcast to get all depressed and doomsday about it. You know what I mean? Like, you're still having tons of fun in Thailand every day. I see it. I'm still having tons of fun here trapped in my room making podcasts with you. I'm having a great time. So I just want everybody listening to the podcast to like, you know, let's let's keep it light. You know what I mean? People want to listen to this stuff to get away from all this bullshit, not to get sucked, you know, sucked into this stuff. If they want to do if they want to go down this rabbit hole, you know, there's plenty of content out there to, to, to spread that kind of message. And my, you know, my parents are very worried about it, too. And they message me every single day about, you know, what's going on in America right now. It's very, it's very scary and all that, but I choose to just focus on my shit, man. And, and like when I'm, when I'm pinning my test and I'm training with my barbell and I, and I'm taking my growth hormone, I take my insulin 30 minutes later, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like I'm in muscle factory. I couldn't, can't, couldn't even tell the difference. Yeah. So, so one way I have to constantly, uh, challenge i have to constantly work at a positive mental outlook about all of this because i see i see everything that's one of my skills is i'm able to see sort of through it like the matrix like how what the fundamental physics of how something actually works including politics so the positive way to look at it is like a game it's like a game where they're coming to steal our gains they're trying to keep <laughs> us down yeah exactly. they're trying to keep us down but we we are strong enough and we still have the capability to create ourselves uh, and our lifestyle how, uh, how we want to. It's a harder game, it's another level, but I should be grateful that I got to this level. Like we're on level, we're on level 10 right now. A lot of people died in level nine, level eight. So we're in a video game and we're pretty far along uh, in, in this video game and it's just harder. And we don't put down the remote and stop playing because then we die. We have two choices, pick up the remote and play or put down the remote and die. And if we're going to play, we might as well, you know, build up the best character and have the best experiences uh, and prepare for future levels and take pleasure in beating these levels as these, as the world superpowers, let's say, put, put up obstacles and level masters for us to beat. So that's how I try to think of it. So when I think of Sometimes I think I'm, I'm going to do bicep curls and I think, gosh, this is so futile. And then I think, wait, again, I only have two options. Do bicep curls or don't do bicep, bicep curls. 
And doing bicep curls results in a higher quality of life. Well, we, we love doing bicep curls, man. We would do bicep curls no matter what, you know what I mean? So you can't let somebody out there stop you from doing what you would do if they weren't trying to stop you. You would be doing it. If the world was good, you'd be doing all this stuff. And the fact that it's bad makes should make you want to do it even more because you love this stuff. This is what you do. That's kind of what I realized in this whole situation. I'm like, when the world was good, I could have fooled myself to be a software salesman to, you know, pitch that shit every day to, to get people on calls and work really hard to get my next big commission check or whatever. I could have fooled myself that that was okay. Because after work, I could go to a nice restaurant, I could take my girl out to eat, I could go home and smoke my weed. And I forgot that it was even bad by the end of the day. But now it's like, there's no running from it. I, I what I realized is, you know, I could sell software here from trapped inside my house, cold calling people, begging them to make a buck and I can't even leave my house. Or I could just say, fuck it and just go all in on what I like to do. It forced me to do the things that I love to do because I had no other option at that point. So I, I feel like, you know, there's two different ways to, to look at it. And the people who double down now are the ones who are going to be on top five years from now, the people who fall apart now are going to be five years from now, they're going to be like, fuck, I fell apart during the Corona shit. Now I'm way behind. I spent all this time. I wasted all this time sitting around smoking weed, jerking off because I was depressed that the government was, you know, in, enacting a new world order or whatever. They're always enacting a fucking new world order. My parents came from the Soviet Union to this country because they were enacting a new world order. I mean, it's not new. You know what I mean? So like, I just try to keep that mindset. I know it's on unpopular and people kind of get pissed at me. Like you should be, you know what I mean? Like you should be sad like the rest of us. And like, you shouldn't be trying to push yourself so hard because, you know, things are hard right now and you have to be sensitive to that or whatever. And I am, and I have been depressed, you know, through these phases as well. I'm not saying I wake up every day with like a crazy enthusiasm, but I'm just trying to keep my head above the water, you know. This I mean? reminds me of a really important uh, way to look at quality of life is that um, because I, I'm someone, a lot of people in America used to think, maybe still do, that if you buy a better car or a, a yacht or a really big house that you can't even use most of it in or all these other things that I, that I had, that you'll be happier, but you're not. Because if you look at what makes a human being happy, there's, there's things like love and uh, health and feeling like you are making progress at something and feeling connected to your community. And as a man, and it's different for men and women, but for as a man, it's to develop a skill and feel like you are effective at that skill and feel like you have something to contribute to the world, which sounds fluffy, but that is, that is like a, a necessary component of, of human happiness. So if you look at those basic requirements, almost like the anabolic matrix, and you look in each column and you, and if you feel depressed, it, it's probably because one of these things is missing or not being addressed. And sometimes it takes something only very small, to fill that category. Like you could, you could just break it down and analyze it and say, what am I missing? I'm missing a sense of community. And so you say, okay, well, I'm stuck in my room or I've got all these limitations. How can I overcome that? Um, well, the positive thing about technology is you can build a world community. I mean, yes, very hard with censorship. And I think that's one of the reasons why 
um, the censorship thing is so depressing because it feels like uh, it's impossible to build a community anymore unless you're just going along with the mainstream, in which case it's not your community. It's, it's, it's not a community that you, that you really connect with. It's gonna give very empty, it's not gonna give the satisfaction or happiness. So it takes work because you have to identify that's the problem. I'm missing a sense of community. Now, what do I do to address it? Well, I can't use Facebook and Instagram and YouTube because those are gonna be censored and I'm gonna feel like it's not our community and, I'm, and it's not really going to be our community because it's gonna to have to be mainstream. Otherwise it wouldn't be able to exist on those platforms. So you have to think about other ways to do it, you know, like uh, messaging groups, uh, uh, you know, direct connect, directly connecting with people like, like you are, you and I are directly connecting with people with that have similar, what's really good is when you connect with someone who has sort of similar ideas to everything. So you build rapport, but then you each have slightly different ideas about something else and you learn from each other. And then you also have that, that sense of community and that sense of learning and, and like you're being productive and progressing. What do you think about the censorship right now? Because before I, I wanted to start this channel up again, I was like scared, honestly. And I thought, you know, I should just make mainstream content. You know, I should just make workout videos and like, you know, show, you know, bench press on TikTok. Like that's what I should do. You know what I mean? And I should just try to get as lean as possible, make workout videos and just do my coaching, which is what I you know want to do now anyways. And I could get clients like that anyways. But then I was trying to do that and I just couldn't get up to do it. I just really didn't give a fuck to do it. Like I just didn't care because I want to have conversations like this. And I was so scared. Honestly, I felt fear because, you know, I had a YouTube channel, Awaken Aesthetic, and it did pretty well back in 2017, 2018. And it got shut down. And a lot at the same time that your channel got shut down and a lot of other channels got shut down, there was a cleansing back in tw early 2018. And I didn't want to do this again, just to be shut down again and lose everything that I worked for again. But now I'm kind of trying to build it up more slowly, more organically. Cause before I was making videos, like how to do your first cycle, like what shit like that, you know what I mean? That would go viral quickly, but it also was drawing a lot of attention to me. And I guess that's why I got banned. I'm not sure, but nowadays I see people like Greg Doucette, you know, Vigorous Steve's channel is growing very quickly. Leo Longevity is going very, and they're openly talking about shit like we couldn't do back in 2018. And what I think in the back of my head is that the ban hammer is coming. It's going to come. But at the same time, there's so many more people talking about it openly right now. I feel like there's a new wave. So maybe they just forgot about us. I mean, and I see that Tony Huge Censored is growing really fast and you're starting to make videos about IGF-1 and whatever. I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think they're going to ban us all again or do you think that they kind of forgot Yeah, I think us? they're going to ban us all again. Um, but that's not really the target right now. The target is politics. They want to eliminate any political message that encourages people to embrace freedom. They want people to embrace uh, this new cultural rules of the new world order, which is, is a direct path to mediocrity and depression and loss of freedom and loss of humanity. But that's, that's what they want to reinforce. Uh, their channels like Greg Doucette, though, you have to look at this. Greg Doucette started talking hardcore about steroids. But, and I don't know exactly why he shifted 
but he shifted to talk about just drama and there's really not much good sort of steroid information from Greg Doucette anymore. Yes, the old videos were. So he used the old videos to get traction because no one, no one would have ever listened to him talk about drama stuff until he gained a level of fame. So he, it was a two-step process. Do whatever it takes to gain momentum and fame and then switch, and then switch over to mainstream. And I could say like mainstream sellout, but the but the different the thing is as your channel grows, you really can't talk positive about anything that contradicts the mainstream without getting censored. I mean, you know, like I think I think sometimes why why doesn't someone like you know Joe Rogan is is uh, is good. He's smart and he's awake, and but he even he you listen to him, he's so careful. You have to really read between the lines to really get the message. And most people in the mainstream are not able to read between the lines. So this is why I became such a threat. And then I opened the door because what I did is I showed people, okay, you can talk about this stuff in this way. But then when I got shut down, everybody got scared. Well, a whole bunch of people, you know, then it was like, oh my gosh, we can't talk about it in this way. But what I was doing is I was trying to counter this, there's this, this spectrum on the one side is control and, and slavery, I say, and the other side is, is freedom. And I was way over on the freedom side and I was actually changing people's minds to embrace freedom. It's not even so much about the chemistry itself. It's not that the chemistry is dangerous. It's that I was helping people get out of the matrix, which is very dangerous for the mainstream if that's allowed to grow. So you'll notice like David Icke, for example, he wasn't super censored until he started getting a massive amount of people with the same message, same content before as after he got censored. But it, 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 before he wasn't necessarily getting massive people outside the matrix. And then when this all happened in, in, in the world and it confirmed that most of his theories were actually correct, some of them may be a little bit too crazy and maybe not correct, but some of his really crazy conspiracy theories actually proved to be correct. Then the mainstream got rid of him. Like, oh no, now he's a danger to getting people out of the mainstream system. <clears throat> so the question is, it's not about, are you talking about a, a, a dangerous compound? It's, are you waking people up and getting them out of the system? And I don't think these channels like, um, let's say Steve, for example, I don't think he's waking anybody up and getting them outside the matrix. He's giving factual information about steroids, being very careful not to contradict the mainstream. He's talking, you hear when he talks, he talks about uh, like prescription medications. He doesn't, he tries not to contradict the mainstream medical establishment too much in a way that would wake people up or change people's mind. But, but, about do, you, but do you think Still that they're, you think they're monitoring people that closely though? Cause, cause my, my instinct would just be like, they see Trenbolone, you know, they have a computer program that runs for Trenbolone and they see someone talking about that and they wipe it out. Like, is there an actual guy watching Vigorous Steve being like, well, he's talking about performance enhancing drugs, which are illegal, but he recommends medicine. So eh, it's fine. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't see that them actually going that deeply into it. You know what I'm saying? Like they do go that deeply into it if your channel is big enough. So if it's very small, 
then no, it just, if you, yeah, not, not, a, not really. You get like sort of a review at every milestone of your, of your channel size. And then what happens is at first, sometimes you'll have a strike or a video removed because it's, it's an automatic function. It's when you appeal it that they take a closer look at it. And then when they look at it, let's say you're talking all about Trenbolone. Well, they, the mainstream does, well, Trenbolone is not a super good example because um, let's use, let's use, there's a number of different, I won't even say the name so as not to get this video censored, but there's a number of different cures for the current illness. Choosing my words carefully, that's going around. <laughs> Come now, on, Tony, I got 60 subscribers right now. Don't get me shut down, man. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this, this is my second podcast. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, so we'll choosing our words carefully. If there's a video that talks about how to cure the illness, um, using something the mainstream doesn't agree with, then uh, yes, it's going to get a review. And, and if the channel's any decent size, they're going to look at it and they're going to say, is he contradicting the mainstream or is he going along with the mainstream? And if you're contradicting the mainstream, yes, you're at risk of being wiped out. So it's not the compound because you could talk negative about the compound and you, you'll, you won't get censored. But if you talk positive about the compound, if, the, if that's a threat to the mainstream medical monopoly, then you'll get censored. So there is enough of a review to determine whether you're talking positively or negatively about something. Now you have a lot of really smart people who are trying to get the message across that are talking almost negative about something. But if you listen, if you're smart enough and you listen closely, they're actually trying to send you some hidden messages. Like, like Dave Palumbo is the king of that kind of stuff ish yeah i mean i really think like joe rogan's a good example but i think i think that uh, let's say even joe rogan listeners i think that only 20 percent are really getting the hidden messages you know so so that so there's there's a risk if you're a, if you're a content creator and you want to stay safe you know if you're not i was very open about it i was like hey this is what i do and it's great and it's the best decision i made and i'm being honest with you about it uh, you can't be that direct. You have to, it's almost like if I make a video on gear, I got to make a video and, and you don't have to worry about this. Your channel's not big enough yet. You could actually talk a little bit more hardcore about stuff and it's just not, it, it won't get as, as flagged. But, but when you, my, when my last channel got banned, I, I only had 5k subscribers and it got banned for videos I made a year prior to the time that it was banned. Yeah. That was because so, there was a big sweep at that time. Yeah. So it's a little, there, there's not a big sweep happening right now against bodybuilding chemistry, for example. Um, but 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 there's also the other problem is that this is the this is the strategy. I just I have to say this because it's such a big part of it. The strategy of this new world order is to recruit as many people into the mediocrity loser category, because then they build an army of these people to take out any of the people that are successful or embracing freedom or have, have found loopholes to have a higher quality of life. And so what you'll have on platforms like YouTube is you'll have these uh, mediocrity soldiers mass flagging anything they disagree with. Um, so you have to, it's like you have to make your message if you're really gonna try to change people's mind, like, like I try to do, you gotta make your message almost stealth 
It has to be hidden from the mediocrity soldiers so that they don't understand the message. And it has to be uh, powerful enough still to change the people's mind who are in the middle ground, who aren't so polarized and whose lives aren't so destroyed already that there's no repair. And, and then you've also got your core fan base if they embrace freedom, then how do you nurture them with content? Because they're always going to say you're not being hardcore or honest or straightforward enough. And so you got to juggle. Like I want to tell my audience sometimes I'm, I'm trying to send you hidden messages as many as I can. I can't talk as aggressively as I would like to about these subjects. Do you so, think but there's, there's, there's other uh... platforms like Rumble? So I just, a friend just told me today that he thinks that Rumble is going to replace YouTube for, I mean, anybody who wants actual accurate information, they're going to want to go to some other platform that isn't so mainstream. I have a wet dream that like one of these platforms will actually pick up steam, like kind of like a Bitcoin did and really make it start to make a serious impact. But I just haven't seen it yet. And I feel like, I feel like it's been necessary for like at least five years and it's just not happened yet. It makes me start to think that these big companies are too big and it's just impossible to even have like a kind of a, you know, grassroots thing, but I don't know, it's bound to happen eventually. So, Maybe so it's possible. It's possible it's past the point of no return and the monopoly is are too big and too powerful It's possible. But if we, so optimistic way to look at this is we've never had so many people awake as now. Uh, so now we have a greater demand for uncensored content. We have a, a, a more, a stronger opposition against it, but we also have more demand for it. So if someone is able to get a platform, let's say Rumble takes off, it's going to have a lot more users than it could have had before when we had the illusion of freedom. So now the illusion has been taken off. Now more people like you and me and a lot of other people like us are like, wow, America is not a free country but I still embrace the, the qualities of freedom, the values of freedom. So I'm gonna to go to a platform that, that allows for free information. And so we may, so, so, so if they're technologically able to sustain a platform like Parler, for example, Parler was growing exponentially fast and it never would have stood a chance if people thought that Instagram and Facebook wasn't censored. But now that they realize how censored it was, because I, I was trying to tell people very early on that all of these platforms are censored. You're just not seeing it. They're very stealth and very good about it with the shadow banning. I can't even, Tony, I can't even type in Dr. Tony Huge on Instagram. You don't show up, man. I can't find your page. Like I was like, I was trying to send you like a DM, like, hey man, are you ready for the podcast in a few minutes? I'm like, DR. DRT. I'm like, where is this guy? I, I watch every one of his stories. Some some girl with a big butt would have showed up to two two letters ago, and, and I'm like, where is this guy? I had to type in your entire name and then click enter, and you're like the seventh one, and and click on your profile to get to you. It's it's yeah. wild. I mean, you really are censored. You really are censored, and they 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 constantly try to censor you like it's obvious and dude i am the most i'm the most anti-conspiracy theory guy like not because i'm not because i try i'm trying to like i'm not like oh like it's not because i'm liberal or or, or like a you know 
on that side at all. And I'm saying that you guys are crazy or whatever. I just, the way that my mind works, it just, I always try to take like the common sense approach. And I feel like it's like the common sense approach really is like, it's like, what is kind of the obvious answer? And then I'm, I feel comfortable with that. So it's like, why am I locked in my house? Cause there's a virus. Why is there a vaccine? Cause they're trying to cure the virus. I'm comfortable with that. You know what I mean? And anyone that tries to tell me anything other than that, I'm like, okay, like maybe, but I'm uncomfortable with that. And I don't really want to go in any further into that. I mean, I don't see the, I don't see how continuing to go down that thread is going to benefit me is going to make me personally feel better. I also feel the same way though, on the other side, like when liberal people try to like, tell me, like put this stuff down my throat also with, with their stuff. Like when the things were happening, you know, I don't want to get too much into it, but you, you know, what's been going on recently and they're, and they're trying to like shame me into going on their side and speaking their point and, and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't know, guys, like, I'm not really about that either. I'm just trying to do my, my thing, you know? But when you say stuff like this, and then I type in, I have to type in your entire name to actually find you. I start to think like, I mean, it's right there. He's censored. And so then it just come at, comes down to why. Is Tony Huge censored because he's a menace? Or is Tony Huge censored because he's saying something that is waking people up in a positive way? And I know you, so I know that you're not a menace. You know what I mean? But if I didn't know you personally, I might be like, you know, this guy's a menace. So, so, so that it's just, for me, it's just the fact that I know you personally and I met you personally. I know that you're, you know, when we met, you were always very nice, very generous. When I ask you to, when I message people to come on the podcast, you're the first guy who says, yes, let's do it tonight. You know what I mean? And that speaks to your character. So that is what it is. That's how I was raised to look at people. You know what I mean? When I ask this guy for a favor, he comes through. When you come chill with him, he treats you well, always takes care of his friends. I mean, you can't say a bad thing about that guy. So it's as simple as that kind of thing. And then when you talk, I'm like, maybe I'll actually, you know, maybe he has a point because I see the character behind it and I see how they try to paint you. And I just feel like though, Tony, I feel like you play into it though. Like you like to be the villain sometimes on the outside. And then maybe it's a marketing thing. Maybe it's just, you like the attention or whatever, but then I just feel like sometimes you're so misrepresented and it, and I, I don't like it when people like say that you're an asshole or you're dangerous or whatever, cause you're not dangerous. You're the type of guy to sit down with a 21 year old kid and tell him, listen, man, you might be going too fast. You got to slow down. You're a smart kid. Take it easy. That's who you are. You know what I mean? Like, I know that, but I don't see that though. I don't really see, I don't see you putting out that message on a large scale. And I don't see people realizing that's who you are. So what do you think about that? The problem with the media now, and when I say media, I'm saying pretty much everything that an individual consumes that influences their their thought besides what they see in their what they actually see through their own experiences like the the content that is put in their head it's all extremely biased against freedom and there's really very few people on the other side of the extreme that are showing people 
what freedom actually feels like. And I just want people to experience freedom because then they know what they're missing out on when they're being led down this path like sheeps to slaughter by the mainstream. Because I don't think I've ever had a situation where I've interacted closely with someone, where I've opened up their eyes to freedom, like, like life in Thailand, it's just one example, and them not be very grateful for it and it not positively impacted their life. Like the early videos I did about Thailand and freedom caused thousands of people to move to Thailand. And I meet these people all the time. And they're so grateful that I helped them make a complete 180 degree, uh, I guess 90 degree turn in their life. <laughs> 180 would be backwards. So uh, go a completely different direction. And they're eternally grateful. It's like, it's just like the movie, The Matrix, like unplugging someone from The Matrix and they're living in real life. And maybe real life sucks compared to the illusion that they were living in, but at least they're living in reality and they experienced freedom. And it's, and it would be so much more rewarding to know what's real when you're feeling all these wonderful emotions and know that it's real instead of questioning it. Cause I think you always have to question whether you're, what you're experiencing and how much of it is, is real versus an illusion. Most people don't ever see the illusion. Most people don't see the prison walls. They're so well programmed. It's like a chicken growing up in a chicken cage and they have no idea that chickens are supposed to walk around and eat natural food and worms. All they know is eating grain and, and laying eggs and being slaughtered inside of a cage. And that's their entire existence. And I just want to get people out of those cages and I have to use tools to do it. Sometimes I have to shock people. I have to shock people and get their attention. And then once they, once I've got their attention, then I can show them uh, the balance. So I have to show them sometimes this extreme because let's say all the info, the, it, I would, it would be great if the media was unbiased and you got to see 50% of each side of everything but you don't, you see about 95% of this side and 5% of this side. And you can't even understand the 5% because the 95% influences your perspective so much that you can't see the 5% as positive. So really everybody's 100% mentally controlled. Uh, so I just try to balance that so that they have the ability to make their own decision, but to make their own decision, they have to they have to understand reality, re understand the facts, and then they need alternative perspectives to consider. So I try to give that more extreme perspective. But if I was sitting down with someone, and, and, and also when I'm making content, it's, you know, I, it's, I'm trying to speak to thousands of people. If I'm sitting one-on-one -on -one with someone, I, I, I know all the variables and I can, it's much easier too. If I'm sitting down with someone, I can get them out of the matrix. Just, I, I can't even imagine it being possible. Let's say, just take the absolute opposite, like a, a super liberal, mainstream, closed-minded uh, person who is unable to see other perspectives. I can't even imagine sitting down with someone like that with, with a good amount of time and not open up their mind and completely change their perspective and instantly improve their quality of life 
by just giving them another dimension. It's almost like adding another sense. It's like people are walking around without the sense of smell. Uh, they, they only know taste, sight, touch, hearing. And when I give them another sense, another complete perspective, how can they go back to not having smell? You know, that's what it's like. That's, that's pretty deep. <laughs> I think that, I think that everyone, I think this is a pretty good podcast so far, <laughs> if I do say so myself, it's, it's, it's a definitely interesting stuff. I want to take a step back to the beginning of enhanced athlete, you know, because you know, you're, you're far down this, this journey now. And I feel like I'm kind of at the beginning, like kind of where you were back in like 2015, 16, maybe without all the Ferraris and Lamborghinis in the mansion, but, but um, kind of lifestyle wise, like making a shift from, from going down one path of trying to make money, trying to do the right, whatever to trying to figure out how I'm going to make an impact. And now what I'm doing is I'm, I'm trying to get a message out it's not about making money anymore. If it was about making money, there's a lot more effective ways to do that. And I'm sure we're both aware of that. We're, we're not engaged in this for financial gain. Like it, it wouldn't make sense to, to do this for financial, but at the same time, we do have to support ourselves. We do have to survive. So to be able to continue to do this, right? So let's go back to the beginning of enhanced athlete. What what inspired you to take that kind of like 90 degree turn that you're talking about in your life? And what was your mindset like when you were making those first kind of like DMP diaries videos in your, in your garage? Like, did you see it becoming a global thing? Like, what was your, what was your perspective back then? No, I had a baby mama that got pregnant on purpose to try to trap me. And my value has always been pro-freedom <clears throat> with the exception that I was extremely anti-drugs for most of my life, which is why I kind of went the other extreme because I, had, I admit I was wrong about drugs. I admit that although I was outside the matrix from a very young age in many ways, I was really inside the matrix in some ways, such as my my belief and understanding about, about drugs, uh, which now I believe drugs are, uh, I mean, they're, they're, the, they're this stage of our human evolution. They're, they're a wonderful thing. They're tools that can improve and enhance our quality of life and can also be used uh, improperly and cause harm, just like any other tool, just like this glass, you could kill yourself with this glass, you know, uh, but this glass provides tremendous benefit when used properly. Um, but, you know, people don't have that perspective because they've been programmed a certain way to where their entire perspective is not even a perspective that benefits them or their quality of life. It's a perspective that was basically implanted, a false synthetic culture programmed after a lot of scientific research by very wealthy and powerful people on how to control the population for their benefit, just same way everything throughout history. Okay, so I say that broad fundamental thing because when baby mama one tried to trap me, it was a, an attack against my freedom. And I said, and there's a lot of other factors. You ask me different times, I give you different answers because I, I don't make a decision based on one thing, but it was sort of a precipitating event. The event that put like the, need, uh, the uh, straw that broke the camel's back. I was already feeling a loss of freedom in the United States because I saw the prison walls and I saw them closing in and I saw the evolution of the law. And so 
I, I didn't necessarily know that for sure that I wanted to live offshore. I, I had a feeling, I, I had a feeling, but I just didn't know how good it could be. I, I was really familiar with Mexico and some other places, which are great quality of life, but there was a couple things missing for me there. So I didn't know there was such better alternatives to the United States until I came to, to Asia. So I had a, a law firm with something like 20, 22 employees and I uh, was overworked, stressed out, had too much responsibility, too much liability. Yes, I had lots of money. Yes, I was late making lots of money and had a bright career and a bright future as far as the mainstream views it. Um, but I was never as, as happy as I was when I came to Asia. And I spent very little money in Asia. And I couldn't believe how little money I spent and how much happier I was. And then when I went back, I basically said, what do I need all this stuff for? And I fell into this mainstream trap of thinking stuff is going to make me happy. And there was even a day when there was even a day when I was sitting down and I was thinking I would spend $10,000 to have a good time today. But I can't think of anything that I really want to do. I can think of what the mainstream tells me I should do that should make me happy, but it really doesn't make me happy. But if I was in Asia... I could spend $150 today and have an amazing time and be so happy and feel freedom. Um, I, I just, no matter how much money I spend inside the matrix, to me, it's still inside the matrix. It's, it's like, it's fake. I just doesn't feel real. So uh, why I started Enhanced Athlete and all that, uh, or, or the content and sort of this new chapter. I, I, wanna, I wanna touch on what you said for a second. And I think this is an important distinction for somebody who, you know, hasn't been to Thailand or never really experienced that. A lot of people have this negative preconception of Thailand and especially you where it's like, okay, like he's there and he's talking about $150 cause he wants to get a sexy hooker and that's it. But at the end of the day, I was day, thinking more like three for that price. Okay. Yeah. Well, whatever that that's yeah. like, that's what, that's what you are insinuating kind of thing. But what people don't realize is that like, you know, I'm in a relationship now, so I'm not going to interested in doing any of that stuff anymore, but I'm Wait, your girlfriend, your girlfriend's going to let you be friends with me. Usually that doesn't happen. <laughs> well, she, she actually, uh, like has seen some of your stuff and definitely was not a fan, but I explained to her that, you know, we're friends and we met under a different context. And it's not like we met under a, like when we met the, 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 um, the king had just died and we didn't do any like whoremongering together or anything like that. We actually had a lot of great conversations and hung out. You and Trevor gave me some great bodybuilding tips. So I don't know you in that way. You know what I mean? Like, and of course I was engaged in that kind of stuff. You were engaged in that kind of stuff, but that I don't feel that that's what our friendship at the time was based around. And then when we met up again in New York, it, it wasn't based around that anyway. So you know, if I'm in Thailand, I think we can definitely hang out in a non that capacity, you know what I mean? And, and I think anybody would be cool with that. It's not like you do that shit all the time, like 24 seven. I mean, maybe a little bit more recently, I've been watching your stories, but I know there's more to you than whoremongering and you know, you're a deep guy. But anyway, I, I just like, I think that what people don't realize is that it's not even about like the hookers or whatever. It's just, it's for me, how I describe it. It's like, I love enthusiasm. And in Thailand, people have enthusiasm. In America, if you want to get like an escort or something and pay $3,000 for the hottest one, they're going to do it, but they're going to do it 
maybe you won't even know, but you kind of know it's like a little bit like begrudgingly, like because of this system I have to do or something like that. But in Thailand, people from the West think it's going to be like that. But then you go there and it's just like, they're just happy to see you. They're just happy about life. I don't know what it is. And whenever I tell somebody this who hasn't been there, they're like, oh, of course, because you're a white guy with money. But like, it's not about that. They'd be the same happy if it was a Thai guy or whatever. They're just happy. And it's not just the hookers. It's everybody. It's the girl down at the pineapple stand. It's the, you know what I mean? It's the guy at the movie theater taking your ticket. That's like the beauty of Thailand. It's not just about trading sex for money. You know, and back, back then, what's interesting is I had unlimited money um, and you were on a, a still, you were on a tight budget and you and I still had very similar experiences. It wasn't about the money. We both had a high quality of life. We both had fun adventure surrounded by happy people. And uh, I think having money makes it easier, but we both had the same result. We were both extremely happy. You know, it doesn't, it, it wasn't, a, it isn't about the money. It wasn't about the money. Uh, yeah, so I, and and yeah, with the, the whoremongering thing, have her watch um, or subscribe to my YouTube channel, Relationships Books Tomorrow. That's got some really funny relationship stuff. But if you read through it, yeah, it's some of it's dramatic and all that. But if you read through it, and I think I published some videos where I, yeah, I'm, I'm having some real relationship talks with girls. And I, I need to do more of that too. Uh, and I will post a lot more. But I'm just trying to improve my relationship skills, quality of life. And you'll, and, and you, as you see on there, I think, well, I think what I should represent more is that, um, you know, it's, it's just like this anabolic matrix theory of each category of your life. So sex is one category, love is another category, two different categories, and then, you know, food and everything else component of your day. The sex component, I actually spend very little time at it. I just want the very little time that I do spend on it to be amazing. Just like, just like my food, you know, I don't want to overemphasize food. I just want to have really high quality food. So I have a, this girl's a professional chef and this is, this is what I eat. To me, that's quality of life. So yeah, um, having three girls is, is like a, a quality of life thing, but I'm just, I'm just addressing that one category and what I think is the most rewarding in that category, but I can't spend too much time in that category because there's other categories too that are also important. And so if someone watches a bodybuilding clip of me, they're going to think, he's only about bodybuilding. If someone watches a relationship start to buy, it's only about relationship, but really there's, there's about five different major things I'm doing every day and five different categories. And that's what I need to do for feel, to feel fulfillment and happiness. And I think that is built into us and that's why our species has survived. And that's why we are, we are here because our, our parents dealt all those needs and those needs are actually uh, helpful to our survival. I think that, you know, with relationships, it's, it's always tough. Like you have to make sacrifices, you know, to be in relationships, no matter what kind of relationships they are, even the ones that you're in, you have to make sacrifices. So sacrifices get in the way of your freedom in a way, because you're making sacrifices. 
So, you know, that's like just a difficult thing as a man to navigate in the world. I mean, everybody goes through that. It's just, it's really like pick your poison. What do you want? What do you feel comfortable with? I never thought I would be in a relationship. You know how I was at that time, but it's just like, I just met the right girl for me. And I feel very comfortable with that. It's like, if I were to explore other options, I would feel bad about it just because it's, she doesn't want me to. It's not fair to her. I have made the agreement to give up that freedom. And ultimately, you got to give something up to get something. That's, you know, that's what the tattoo I got in Thailand said. You know what I mean? And I didn't know how relevant it would be to what. But you got to make sacrifices. You got to give something up to get something better. So that's kind of, and, and I know vigorous Steve kind of says like around the same things. It's just, it is what it is. But, but you're, you know, I, I don't have anything wrong with God, obviously like. Okay. So you and you and vigorous Steve are good examples of how to do it right. See, Steve messed around, uh, expressed his freedom with women <laughs> a lot. And you expressed your freedom with women a lot which helped you learn what you want. You had to go through that education first to really have what you want so that you're not trapped in a relationship that doesn't satisfy you and benefit you so that instead you can proactively find the relationship that is best for you and that fulfills you the most. My problem was living in Sacramento, having so many of my friends get married so young to women that were controlling them before they ever had an opportunity to figure out what they really wanted. And this, it's the same. And those situations, I think of women like the government, like, like an entity that is trying to take your freedom for their benefit and then trying to constantly manipulate you into think into you thinking that it's good for you. And the only way to know the alternative is to experience the alternatives. So in the perfect world, every man would go out and experience many women and then figure out exactly what they want and then get it and then put all their energy into maintaining it without, without um, regret, without resentment. See, because the guys that get married before they understand the alternatives, once they start seeing the alternatives, like, like what I, they, maybe they see what I do and then they're like, oh, wow, I could have had that. Then they start living with regret and resentment. And that was, is going to take away from the relationship. So they, they either have two choices. If they get married too early, they can either hide uh, in a, in a bubble and isolate themselves from what the alternatives are and never know, which is basically living inside the matrix, or they can live in resentment and regret that they made a commitment that is now bringing them uh, more drawbacks than benefits going forward and precluding them from finding a relationship that does truly fulfill them. So I'm at the point right now where actually I, I've way been with way too many women here. I'm forcing yeah. myself to be with more women yeah. because I feel like, I feel like I'm at an expensive buffet and I, I, and I'm not really getting my value out of it unless I eat all the food. So I'm forcing myself to be with girls I don't even want to be with sometimes. And I'm really craving that one girl who can really fulfill me. But it's just really hard to find because the more complicated a person you are, the more, the, and, and, and the older you get too, the, the, the more picky you get about things, it's hard to find someone to fit all of the needs. 
we could talk i i mean i think that we have a lot more conversations that we could have tony if you want to do another podcast in the future i'd totally be down i mean we're almost an hour and a half in i'm down to keep talking but i just don't want it just to go on for like three hours and i think we can keep talking easily for three hours but um i want i, I think have you uh, there there because there's another thread that i kind of wanted to go down and maybe this could be one of the the final ones on this podcast but have you ever done any research into sex addiction i'm, I'm not trying to like label you or anything like that i'm just saying this is something that i felt that i went through after i got back from Thailand for a long time. And especially in the beginning of my relationship, there was a lot of porn addiction. There was a lot of thinking about thinking about how I want novelty, how I want variety, and I'm not getting it in my relationship or whatever. But ultimately, you know, that's not what a relationship is. I was perfectly happy in my relationship. That was just my personal problem. So I read a lot of books and there's actually a lot of data a lot of real knowledge about sex addiction and like a long kind of pedigree of scientists studying this stuff. And there's a lot of really interesting things. Like they talk about like avatars, rituals, like a ritual that you'll go down, like, you know, kind of like the cruising thing where you'll like, you'll get on your motor, like you, you, you're at home, you're scrolling Instagram, you see some hot chick. And they always say that there's like a type, or if you're really deep into it, a few different types. So like, I like a girl, you know, with, big tits or something, for example. And that's like my type. I like big tits. I like, you know, long black hair. I like the makeup this certain way, like when they're wearing this sort of clothes. And then you see that and you see that on Instagram and it triggers you, you're scrolling. Maybe you DM a few people. Then you're like, before you know it, you're lacing up. You're going to your motorbike. You're cruising around. You're looking for that girl who's like the thing on the, on the thing. And like, I've experienced that. And I know a lot of guys who experience that. And like, when I read some of these sex addiction books, I was like, wow, these guys have it figured out. Like they, they got it down to a T like the pattern. And it's like, you know, humans, we have these patterns in our head, like same thing when we do our bodybuilding, it's like, I got to do my squats before I do my leg presses before if I do it the other way, it's, it's weird. This is how I do it. You know what I mean? You have your rituals, your habits. And when you're so used to having casual sex and all this kind of stuff, it becomes like a ritual and a habit in and of itself. It becomes an addiction. I'm not trying to say that in an, in a disempowering way, or like it's a drug addiction or like it's bad or whatever, but it's just something that I noticed in myself. And I'm curious if you've ever, cause I know you're a well-read guy. Have you ever read any studies on that or looked into that at all? The reason I haven't read studies on it is because I feel like I understand my own psychology when it comes to this good enough, as far as the sex addiction. And I could talk for days about it. <clears throat> so let me think about how to address it really quickly. No, I don't have it a sex addiction. <clears throat> I know that because I can compare myself to people I do know that have sex addictions. And what I am is completely different. I have an addiction to affection. So I, for me, it's much more pleasurable to have a girl just touching and caressing me than anything to do with the sex part of it. Uh, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, I guess using the word addiction, may, maybe that always means a bad thing, but I, I don't think it's a bad thing, my need, high need for affection, because I also give a lot of affection. And that's one of the reasons why women want to be with me. So it's a survival thing to maintain good relationships. And it's just hard to find women that give me enough affection. So I get it from multiple women, but that's, that's the same thing as if you 
needed a certain amount of food and they didn't have all the food you wanted one place, you go to the next place and get the other food. I don't think it's a problem to need to get the enough affection from multiple women because one is not able to give it to me. Now, I know what it also feels like to have a sex addiction because I have, I, I, I use a lot of supplements and I experiment with sex protocols. And recently, a couple of times I hit, I hit everything right with my chemistry to where I had, let's say a couple 24 hour periods where I definitely had a sex addiction because I'm thinking about sex and it's distracting me from the other if we're looking again at like this, at like an anabolic matrix style, and we have these different pathways towards happiness and we need to fill them all up. If my focus is so much on the sex pathway that I'm ignoring these other pathways of quality of life, health, longevity, and happiness, then that's where it becomes an addiction. When, when uh, I'm not able to fill up that category or that filling up that category takes so much work that it's taking away from other parts of my life. Uh, so I did have that for a couple of days. Wow. I mean, that I'm glad I felt it, but I'm really, I'm actually glad, like we all want more sex drive performance and libido, but there's definitely a, a threshold where it becomes too much to where your drive is too high to where you can't think about anything else. And I, and I, and I have, like I said, friends that are sex addicts. So I know that this is like, they're thinking about sex too much. So I'm, that's definitely not me. I just, uh, for me, it's partially an expression of freedom. It's partially continuous learning experience to figure out what I like and want. And it's a need for affection from, from women beyond just the, the normal sex. And I go, I, I, when I sleep with a lot of these girls that uh, are professionals, but not like high-end professionals, the high-end professionals, <laughs> amazing experience because they know everything that they're like, they treat you like a Rubik's cube. You don't even know what they're doing and they've done all this. You feel amazing. <clears throat> but the lower end ones, they have this ritual. Like, you know, they, they touch you a certain way. The kitchen is very robotic. And for the sex addicts, that's enough for them, right? They just, they want that three times a day. They have to have it three times a day in order to feel like satisfied. Otherwise they feel like something's missing. And that's kind of an addiction to me. For me, it's more about the, the addiction is definitely the affection and the connection. So here I am looking for love in, in, the lower <laughs> in all the wrong places in Pattaya, Thailand. <laughs> and that's what's driving me crazy, you know, and even and, and well, well, yeah, we'll talk more about Thai girls and that another time I talk about I could talk a lot about that. I want to do I want to do Thai girls and I want to do psychedelics because we didn't get a chance to, to get into psychedelics. And I remember telling you about psychedelics back in 2016. And I remember, I, I don't know how openly, I, I mean, fuck it. Like I was, I was doing ketamine and I was asking you guys if you guys wanted to do it. The, the reason that I say it, and I'm not afraid to say it is because now it's come out as a depression cure. It's being used for all this stuff. It's being researched. And I was, I was, you know, taking it in Thailand back in the day. And I was saying, you know, this is, this makes me feel great. It's in, in, increasing my quality of life. I don't feel like I'm addicted to this. I don't equate this to some kind of heroin or dirty painkiller high or something like that. I felt like I was having a out-of-body experience that was helping me have a better perspective on my life, what I wanted to do with it and stuff like that. And, you know, that's why I was experimenting with it at the time, as well as other psychedelics too. Um, and now all this research is coming about, out about all that stuff. I know you've been experimenting with with mushrooms, right? In, in Thailand, 
And um, so just just briefly, what do you what's your view on psychedelics now? Because I remember back in the day you were saying you didn't want to mess with that stuff because you were cool messing with your body, but you didn't want to mess with your head. And I think that was and I was I was even telling you, I think that that's like that's a limitation. You know what I mean? Like, why are you scared to get into your own mind? It's your head. You know what I mean? Like what could be in there? So that is. Yeah, for for how much it uh, I get criticized for being a drug addict or abuser right now, <laughs> I was still in 2016 extremely against hallucinogenics and psychedelics uh, because you know I think I think it sort of started with my father would never drink alcohol and he would tell me you know you don't want to mess with your your perception you might go crazy you know you don't want to lose control of your mind. Like, I don't think my dad would have been really against steroids because it's the body, but my dad was really into having a high performing mind and not doing anything to risk your mental control and stability. Uh, So it probably came from that. And the first time I did psychedelics was in Phuket and it was mushrooms. The tea, right? What? The tea. No, no, it was in a a blended shake, like a smoothie. And I did it because I, I did research on it with an open mind. One thing, one thing that this whole path of the enhanced, the enhanced path got me is uh, I already knew about mainstream medicine. I already knew about a lot of cancer cures that are uh, suppressed and, and diabetes and heart disease and all these mainstream Western medicine uh, conspiracies that turned out to be true that, about Western medicine trying to keep people sick. Uh, and so I should have earlier questioned everything that I learned, but I, but I didn't because I thought that I, I, I had an ego about it. This is, see, this is what, this is why I can understand and why I don't really get mad at these other YouTubers who talk negatively about drugs or my lifestyle, because I know they haven't woken up yet. They're still sleeping and they're going to wake up eventually. And they're going to regret that they didn't wake up earlier. And they're going to think back to my content and go, wow, Tony Huge was right, or Joe Rogan was right, or these other influencers that are pro uh, certain chemistry and psychedelics and all these things. So I, I also, marijuana was one that I did a big shift on. I at one time thought that anybody who smoked marijuana should be executed. Like, see, I was being manipulated by the mainstream because that's what they want to do is divide and conquer. And they want to create soldiers. Like I was, I was a Nazi soldier against drugs who came to the light and realized I I was wrong and I, and I'll admit it. So if I can admit that I was so wrong about one of my top, I'd say executing everybody who used marijuana was one of my top five things I would have done if I had control and uh, I, and I was trying to improve the world. That's what, in my opinion. Why? Because you had, you had such an ego about your, your productivity and your, you know, strength as a man. Like, I don't need to relax. I just fucking go, go, go. Anyone who wants to relax is a loser. They should be executed. That was how you were thinking about it. Exactly. Word for word. Yeah. They're a drain on society. There, well, because ever since I was young, it was like I was always producing more and everybody was taking. Like I had more people, more things and people taking from me that I, I was I was realized like if people just took less from me, how much more would I have? And I don't just mean money, but I mean like 
energy and freedom and everything. It's like, it's a battle. My whole life has been a battle to just try to preserve my own freedom from other people taking it away. But I mean, that's all of our battle. It's just that most people give up before they even start. They just give their freedom away to the, to the government or to an authority and they just surrender and they just, you know, put on the jumpsuit and follow the lead and they don't even know they're doing it because the, the, the technology is so good to make them feel okay with it. But I, but it's, it's that I saw like a third person, what it was doing to me. So I got out of that early, but I was still in that when it came to drugs and I, it was work, it was working. The media was working on me. It basically is what it was that they, they got through to me through the drug scenario. So that's why I'm such an advocate for drugs now is part of it's to undo the damage that I feel like I did. And because I admit that I'm so wrong, I want to make amends for it. And I want to prevent other people from making the same mistake because the, the earlier they realize these things, I'll just, just an example, like this illness that's going around is so easy to cure. It's so easy to prevent. It should never be a problem. Uh, people who are outside the matrix and, and just look at the facts and, and get alternative sources of information in the mainstream media and just understand the science and use logic, uh, then they will have a massively better qual quality of life. We're talking life or death situation. You've got someone who goes to the mainstream and they they go on a, they go on, let's say they go on a ventilator. Most people who go on a ventilator die because that is the wrong treatment. And most people, um, they, they'll go to the doctor and the doctor will send them home and say, you know, don't do anything. Just come back when, uh, or, or wait till this certain injection comes out or just come back when it's so bad that it's too late. We can't even treat it anymore. Whereas they could have given them something or, or taught them a little bit something about their immune system to be able to defeat it. So that's just one example. And the chemistry in America, we have more mental illness than almost anywhere else in the world. I say almost, cause I think there's a few places that have more mental illness, but it's, I'd say it's one of the top, top six countries, let's say for mental illness in the world. And why is that? Why, why it's, I, I think it's, I think it's chemical and I think it's uh, the media and the best thing anybody can do is break free from the influence of the media and the government on the mind that's making people's minds sick. If you had a visual look at what people's, if you could physically see what the mind looked like, it would be like everybody, yes, everybody in America is obese, most people, just really fat and really unhealthy in every way. Like, and how is that possible? You travel around the world and almost most every other country, people are healthier than Americans. Why, why do we think we know everything in America when we have the least healthy population? And if you saw how they're mentally, they also are obese. Mentally, they also are decaying. Mentally, they're also out of shape. And so if I can help people open up their mind to the chemistry and the psychology that can improve their quality of life massively, um, then that's, what, that's why I've gone this other extreme. Because I was also mentally fit in some ways and mentally extremely unfit in others and i'm still every day working on it and every time i learn something i'm like oh my gosh what i just learned could help so many people i i want to share it because then if all of our quality of life improves we raise the standard of quality of life right now the standard for quality of life is so low everybody's okay with such a 
a terrible existence. And I don't mean with material things, I mean with the way that they, the way that they think and the way that they treat themselves and the way they interact with the world around them, even if they don't have very much stuff. So if we can all improve that quality of life, then it's gonna, the world will be a much better place and then less people will be taking from those of us who already have a good quality of life. I think that, I think that what ego is a huge, huge problem. And I hate, I hate all like all everything that has to do with like ego driven stuff and bodybuilding is very much on that. You know what I mean? And that's kind of like the energy that I'm trying to bring to bodybuilding is like, Hey guys, like who cares? Who's the biggest, like who cares? Who is the most dedicated to the diet and wins the competition? Like that's not what's important. What's important is that we all love to do the same thing. We all love to come together and have fun in the gym. That's how it all started. It doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter who you are. We could all be better at it and we should try to be better at it. But if you're better at it than someone else, it doesn't make you better than them. You know what I mean? And I just feel like it's like that with everything in life. Everyone wants to compare themselves to the other person and be better than them at stuff. And that's kind of the sickness that you had with the, with the weed. Like I'm better than people who smoke weed. I don't need to do that or whatever, but it's like, nobody's really better than anybody else at the end of the day. And that like fundamental understanding is what like taking psychedelics helps you get. And I'm just lucky that I got to understand that at kind of like a young age, because I've been experimenting with psychedelics for a long time. And I just got to see that, like, even while I'm in school and everyone's like competing so much and, and everyone's trying to be the best. And even when I'm at work, everyone's so worried about their job and so worried about all the consequences of their actions all the time. And I'm like, we don't know the consequences of our actions. We don't know what's going to happen. All we have to do is just try to have fun and be an honest and good person. Like that's it. Everything else is just bullshit. That's like in the way, getting in the way of us being able to connect with each other. Like if I reach out to somebody and they look at my thing and they're like, oh, well, he doesn't have enough subscribers. I don't want to be on his podcast or whatever. It's like, you should look at people's like who they are as people and judge them based on that, not based on who, the, you know, what they have and stuff like that. And that's what, that's what I always saw in you, Tony, why I wanted to connect with you in the first place on a fundamental level. I see you, the way that you listen to a guy on the street, you know, like just a random dude or somebody who doesn't know anything about bodybuilding, you stare directly at them and listen to every word that's coming out of their mouth. Even if what they're saying is complete, like jarble and like there's just nothing there but you listen to them like they might know something that you don't know and that's not a quality that I saw in a lot of people and I respected that about you and I remember thinking like this is interesting and this guy's interesting not because I was you know thought that you had all this like flashy stuff and we're so cool which is a definitely a factor you know for a 21 year old guy definitely but like also that that I saw you listening to people who definitely didn't have what you have that you were willing to connect with me and other people that didn't have millions of dollars and didn't have whatever and I just really liked like the friends of freedom thing because it's just like we're all friends and we should be friends and I've seen so many people attack you and not want to be your friend and all you want to do is be everybody's friend and you would love to be on their shows and you would accept everyone who talks shit about you in this industry, you would 
accept them. You would listen to them. You would think about what they have to say, but they're so closed off to what you have to say and want to villainize you. So that's like, that's not fair in my eyes. That's just, that's just an unequitable way of treating a human being. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. So that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast. Do you have any closing words? I, th I think we should wrap this one up just because it's been going on for a while and, and I just want to make sure people can get through the whole thing. I'll probably chop it up into bits. Do you have any closing words? You, you, uh, you, you gave me a couple little epiphanies while you were talking, but we'll save them for next time because I think they'll still be in my head about psychedelics and, and how it changes perception. So we'll talk about that in future content. And uh, yeah, if anybody uh, wants to get a hold of me or, or follow me, then the first challenge in getting outside the matrix <laughs> is finding me. Like that's, that's a test. Can you find me? Can you find my content despite how hard it is to find? And you know, I'm in a lot of places. So how many places can you find me? There's, there's a homework. <laughs> and just to make sure you type in the whole D-R-T-O-N-Y-H-U-G-E to all the platforms and scroll down. <laughs> and when you see the picture of the guy flexing, then you're probably clicking on the right guy or it could be a dummy account. <laughs> but it's honestly easier to find you on other people's stuff than it is obviously on your own stuff. So I think a lot of people will probably know you from like the Mark Bell podcast. That's like the stuff that's really out there with you right now. And also the new National Geographic documentary, which we can talk about later. We didn't get to touch on that. I know that's been a big thing. I'm still, I'm still yet to watch that, but I'm excited about that as well. So thanks for coming on, Tony, man. I really appreciate it. It's really great to catch up. I feel like we didn't even skip a beat feel like we just we just hung out yesterday so it's really good to catch up man and you, you know you always bring the good vibes and you're you're my second guest so it's, it's good it's good to have you man all right be swell and swole my friend of freedom pioneer of human evolution <laughs> all right cheers